Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hello, my name is Gary Mansfield and this is the Ministry of Arts podcast where each week I'll be speaking to a different artist. Now let's begin by bagging these bongos. And welcome to episode number 101 of the Ministry of Arts podcast. I hope you're all fine out there. First of all, I've got to thank you so much for all the love and support of um, last week's episode where Gary Mansfield was my guest. I've had so many emails telling how you've enjoyed me talking to me. It was a bloody editing nightmare, but well worth the effort. And I've also got to mention the um, emails I've had for, for support for my son Samuel. And if you happen to listen to the end of the podcast, you would have um, you'd have heard me mention that it was something that just come out. Really, it wasn't intended. I think it was a fact of me just sitting here in my studio with myself and my thoughts, and then all of a sudden, a little bit of my heart jumped out, you know. But either way, thank you all for your support, and it's uh, very reassuring to know that there's some great people out there, you know. And there will definitely be some news of Samuel's situation on the next episode. Before I tell you about this week's guest, I just want to thank our new Patreon supporters. And in times like this, your support genuinely has kept this podcast afloat. If you think you were able to financially support, it starts at £3 a month and that value goes up in various tiers. But of course, if you're not able to financially help, comments, social media support is a beautiful thing. We're all partial to a bit of support at times like this, right? But if you think you can, you can head over to www.patreon, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N forward slash ministryofarts.com or you will find a Patreon link in either the Ministry of Arts or Mizog Art social media bios. But anyway, back to this episode. This week I'm speaking to art historian Joe McLaughlin. A few months ago, I come by Joe on um, Instagram. I saw that she was an art historian about to start her own podcast. So I followed the link over to her podcast just to have a little nose at, um, well, to see what angle the podcast would be coming from, you know. And I was oh so pleased to find out that Joe's main stance was accessibility into the art world. And the tagline on her website is art for all. Can't argue with that, right? So I contacted Joe. We had a few um, little Instagram chats, as you do. That moved on to um, phone conversations. 
mainly about sort of behind the scenes podcast info, you know. But anyway, so I said to Joe, once she's done a few episodes, would she like to do a podcast crossover? So I would appear on Joe's Art History podcast and Joe would appear on here. So that's exactly what we did. I appeared on Joe's a few weeks ago and, well, obviously Joe is here today. Joe has had some amazing guests on her podcast, talking about some really interesting subjects. So after this episode, go and find Joe's Art Podcast and subscribe. But make sure it's after this episode, not before. I mean, I love Joe McLaughlin, but not that much. Some of the subjects she touches on are pugs and their meaning in art, the Mona Lisa with Celia Moran, Frida Kahlo, who don't like a bit of Frida Kahlo? Episode 14 is my absolute favourite. It is um, Gary Mansfield and the art that saved him. You'll know Gary, he was on last week's episode. <laughs> episode 15, Tracy Emin and the Unmade Bed. But that's just a little taster of um, many a great episode Joe's got over on her podcast. So if I can just read you a little bit about Joe McLaughlin. Joe McLaughlin is an art historian, curator, writer and Arts for All champion. She writes and presents on all topics art historical and hosts the Joe's Art History podcast. Her approach to the subject is entertaining and engaging, with an aim of bringing art history to audiences in a time where funding to the arts is being continuously cut. Joe believes that stimulating art historical content should be available to everyone and feels that presenting and writing in a fun and relaxed way will help bring down the traditional elitism around the subject, which so many often find off-putting. Amen to that. Joe is incredibly passionate about this topic and is determined to change the long-standing idea that in order to study or enjoy the arts, you need a top education and be cut from a certain cloth. Her bubbly and energetic personality gives her take on art history a truly unique and engaging spin. Joe's Art History podcast is available to listen now on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube and wherever you listen to your podcasts. At the end of this episode I will mention a couple of other art podcast crossovers um, that will be coming out probably early spring but as I say I'll let you know that at the end. But until then please let me introduce you to art historian and Joe's Art History podcast host, Joe McLaughlin. I have seven questions, Joe, that right. I ask each artist or each guest. Mm -hmm. The first would be, how would you explain what you do to someone that doesn't know your work? Oh, oh so I would say I'm an art historian, first and foremost, and um, I run an Instagram account called Joe's Art History, so it kind of does what it says on the tin really but it's an Instagram account it's a blog and it's now a podcast as well where Excellent. I just I love talking about art and I love writing about art but my my issue if you will with the art world and art history is that it's very elitist and yeah. it's something that I really really struggled with um when I when I went into studying it I had no idea actually what it was, I kind of accidentally fell into it by this chance meeting at university that completely changed my life. Excellent. And I really, yeah, I just couldn't really believe how, I don't know, how out of place I felt because I'm very working class. My mum's a teacher, my dad's a joiner. 
And I really struggled with the whole idea of very posh accents. I kind of retreat in it. Oh my gosh, I'm not yeah, welcome yeah. here. And that's kind of essentially what I've encountered and how other people that I've had conversations with feel as well. So I just kind of wanted to create a wee space where, you know, come as you are. I'm I'm going to talk regardless if you like what I'm talking about or not. But I'm going to do it in a way that hopefully you won't find intimidating and just a very sort of casual conversation. And I just want everyone to know about how great art is because it really can change your life and it's such a really powerful thing and I feel that it suffers from this gatekeeping thing people yeah. feel like oh it's only for that one percent you know if you can afford it or if you can buy it to hang in your walls and that's just rubbish everyone should and can experience art and that's what I'm trying to do in my own little <laughs> way so <laughs> very sort of weird way to answer that but I'm an art historian um, and I just love writing and talking about art and, and I do it in a way that hopefully people find approachable and not too intimidating because I don't think I'm an intimidating person and oh, if I, I have, know. I've failed. <laughs> I'm feeling quite intimidating. Oh, are you okay, moment. right, yeah. <laughs> An art historian, you say. Here we go. Well, that's it. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I saw you um, on Instagram a few weeks ago. Yeah. Um, saying that that your podcast was about to go live um i had a little sort of look at what your stance was within the art world and, and sort of where you're projecting and you ticked pretty much every box that i look for uh, and appreciate in in someone in part of the art world it's exactly my stance or not my stance my my, my attitude is, is exactly the same as yours my fears were the same as yours yeah um and I, I totally understand where you're coming from. And I, I feel as well, I, I've got to the point where I'm not sure whether it's a chip on my shoulder or there is actually a divide in the art world. And I'm still not 100% sure. I'm aware that I do have a, oh my a working class chip on my oh shoulder. Oh my gosh, Gary, 100%. That is the best way to describe it. Yeah, and, and I completely sometimes think that as well. Maybe, maybe it's my own thing that I feel like I don't belong in these places. Yeah. But I do think there's a divide. I really, really do. And also, people, other people have come in. Like, so I work during the day. I work in a sculpture gallery called Pangle in London, nice. and oh, it's it's great. It's it's an it's an amazing gallery. And what I love yeah. about it is, although it's a commercial gallery, their their real passion is to push education on sculpture. So everyone that comes in, we're told, you know, stand up, say hello, and it's a really very friendly gallery. You stand up, you say hello explain all the things that we've got going on if you have any questions come and ask us and everyone is always kind of like am I allowed in here I can't really afford anything yeah, is that okay yeah. and I'm like neither can I come on in like <laughs> the more the merrier there's loads to see it's really interesting and I feel a lot of people when they come into the space they're always like oh I just I didn't know if I could come in I feel it like because, I mean, it's quite an intimidating space, you know, and I think that's the problem with some big galleries. You know, they have doors like banks or you have to, like, press a buzzer and yeah. someone, like, you know, be allowed into sort of, like, the sacred space of the art. And it's, it's nonsense. Like, it's just... That's a show Yeah, well, you for... do find that people, when they sort of have uh, an experience with art and, and they're not experienced in the art world, yeah. if you like, they're expecting to find something shouting out to them and they can't quite hear it but they don't approach music in that way yeah. you know they don't approach film in that way but because it's a sculpture in the middle of a room or uh, an artwork hanging on the wall 
all of a sudden it's just them and this silent object that you know that they're trying to make this connection with and yeah it can be quite intimidating I've been there myself when I've been near an artist at a private view or something and I'm looking at an artwork and I'm just not getting any connection yeah. from it it's a horrible situation to be in and it does make you feel like a bit of a fool because you've not got what the artist is trying to say you know it's a a different language you're hearing or no language at all you know yeah no I completely understand and but I also feel that as well even with my artists when I put on shows they sometimes bring in works and I'm like no nope, wee bit cold there <laughs> I know obviously you can't say that to them but yeah, like I yeah. always find if you spend a wee bit of time with something like anything I think if it's not within your comfort zone I think it's a very natural thing to sort of retreat and be like, oh, what the hell is that? Oh my gosh, I don't don't understand that. And that yeah. applies to lots and lots of things in life, not exactly. just art. You know, you retreat, you don't really understand it, but actually spend a bit of time with it and maybe look beyond of what is in front of you. Yeah. And you you will unleash a whole world of opportunity and connections and knowledge that you didn't know before. And it can only it can only better you. I don't ever think I've walked out of an art exhibition and thought, well, I didn't get anything from that. And even if I don't if I don't like the artwork, it's still a reaction. It's still got yeah. something for me where I've yeah. thought, don't understand well, why like, I thought cheese graters on plinths, but okay. <laughs> yeah, they've all got a personality, like a yeah. person. Because, you know, if you walked into a room and didn't speak to any people, you would, you would get sort of magnetised to someone that you feel comfortable with the look of them. But it's not until you start to, to ask questions and... and converse with that person that you you know you have to sort of get to know them to to understand them as it were you know yeah well that's it and that's kind of why when particularly for me anyway I think sculpture is very much ignored within the canon of art history and I think you know you could say to a lot of people name a movement in painting and everyone would go oh the impressionists or oh we've got these guys or we've got the post-impressionists the you know cubism but if you say to people can you name a movement in sculpture Everyone would be like, Henry Moore was was kind of there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a Barbara Hepworth, I think. Was it the yeah. Tate? If you and that's and I think that is case in point. And I think why I love working at Pangolin is we want people not to be so scared of sculpture because it is this really interesting thing, and it doesn't also need to. It suffers from a lot of, I don't know, a lot of sort of historical prejudice against it you know I think people when they think of sculpture it has to be this like huge bronze you know in the middle of a square somewhere a a guy on horseback and it's not it can be this tiny little thing that you hold in your hand and and it's great but it's yeah I think that's what I love about the gallery is that we we try and and really really show that and sculpture in all its forms as well it doesn't need to be bronze we show ceramics we show um we show steel um silver you know all these amazing things that um have all interesting stories and the artists themselves how they came to make things as well is, is yeah, what I love. Yeah. Um, there, you're if you if you interact with sculpture, like what you know, you've got a three sixty way of viewing something and a way yeah. of experiencing it. And when the light hits it differently, you, you you'll be like, oh, did I? Oh, I didn't see that before. All those shadows have moved. <laughs> no, I'm with you there. And I think it's I think it's great, but I, th- I also think because there are these things that people think need to take up loads and loads of room. They kind of back off from them, and yeah. Well, I remember Martin Creed when he was in um, 
the Turner Prize, I think it was in the Turner Prize, and he had, I think the artwork was called Light Goes On, Light Goes Off, or okay. something like that. Do you know the artwork? I think I do, yeah. <laughs> and he was, it was literally the lights coming on, the lights going off. And I don't know whether it was him who said it, or it was said in conversation, but someone was saying that it was a sculpture, because at one moment, the light is a sculpture that's taking up the whole room and then there's nothing and I thought I'm not buying that <laughs> and then I bought into it and that's how my relationship is with Martin Creed anyway oh, I think he's trying to have me over and then I succumb to whatever he says well that's it's a bit cheeky but you know what you like it someone's had exactly. you know, been ballsy enough to come up with that concept yeah and place it in and a I gallery was, I was listening to one of your podcasts with um Oh, I can't, it may have been your first podcast when you was with a friend of yours who's also Scottish. Oh, uh, Nicole, was it about Keith Haring? It, it, I, I can't remember what the... Sub, I think it was with her and I think it was the Keith Haring one, but she mentioned about um, an artist hammering her now into the wall and calling it art. And that made me chuckle because that's yeah. exactly what Martin Creed done. He had a row of uh, maybe six or seven nails banged into the wall I saw them at the Haywood Gallery and I said, I'm not falling for that. And then within a few moments, I'm going, oh, look at the way that the shadows are cast off of these nails. And he got me again. So. Oh, my gosh. I completely. So I had an experience like that with an artist called um, Carl Plackman. And Carl is a conceptual sculptor but and, and a fabulous, fabulous draftman, draftsman. And he's actually better known as a tutor from Goldsmiths. And he taught people like Damien Hurst, you know, that whole crowd. So he's, but he's been very much overlooked. But my gallery, we represent the estate. And my first ever exhibition at Pangolin was a Carl Plackman exhibition. And it's really conceptual, out there stuff. It's like a table with all these like plant pots stuck underneath it. And like iron grids that are shaped like stairs. And on every stair, there's a soap bar. And I was like, what have I done? <laughs> what is this? I've been at university Excellent. for five years and this is yeah. like way over my head. And that's the great thing about art. You will, doesn't matter what your education is, you will always keep learning. And that's another thing that I love. And even doing my Instagram posts every day, I, I am learning something and I love that. Yeah. Anyway, back to Carl. So, and I was like, what is, what even is this? And it actually also had a flickering light. It was, so it's four sort of like two are wood staircases, if you will. And the other is like iron staircases, kind of like what you would put, like what you would use to like put like a chicken coop or something like that. Just oh, very, yeah, yeah, yeah. very yeah. weird sort of iron material. And it wasn't until like I sat with it for a little while that I was like, oh my God, I think I get this. Like... The stairs are, you progress in life. The light is sometimes you know your way, sometimes you don't. And the soap is, it's slippery, but you have to keep going. And it just, it was like a light bulb moment. And then I sort of spun round and I I had a gallery full of this stuff. And I was like, great, I've got eight weeks to crack this code. Here I go. (laughs) But that's the great thing I find with conceptual art is you may have been 100% wrong. Yeah. But it spoke to you. You had that little mental conversation with an artwork, an inanimate object, and together you came up with a little story that yeah. what that artwork 
meant to you. Well, that's it. And what Carl's brilliant at doing, and I love Carl Pluckman. I he is. If I could own a work right now from any artist, it would probably be Carl Pluckman. I think he's just amazing. Um, but he he didn't give you an explanation as to what he he was just sort of like this is it. He kept yeah. what his reason was in his head, and he let you have that conversation. And I just thought it. I think it's so clever. It's so clever. Yeah. Well, a lot of the times with those conceptual artists is once you understand the artist and their viewpoint of the world, then you sort of understand their artwork straight away. At least you understand where it's within the realm that it was made, you know, so then you can, it gives you a few starting blocks of, of the story, you know, mm. which, yeah. yeah, I think is amazing. You said that your mum was a teacher and your dad was a joiner. Yes. So was there any art in your home? I mean, art in the sense that, I mean, my dad, so he actually, my dad had his own little company and it was just him and one other guy. And the, the if you call this art, the, I do, I think of it as art because I couldn't do it. He used to have all these architectural drawings on the kitchen table because that's where they worked from. And my dad used to draw everything up. And I used to think it was amazing that he could take a pencil and a ruler and then draw a house. And I, I just thought, but like, the in, the the internal workings of it as well and and the plans and the um sort of where the plumbing had to go and I, I thought it was amazing and then we had i mean very sort of constable esque we had two very sort of like twee country scenes at the bottom of the of the living room and i don't know why my mum had them they didn't really fit in with with anything but she liked them but my mum's favorite favorite painting is by a Scottish artist and it's the painting's called Windows from the West and it's a tenement block in Glasgow so Glasgow's really famous for its tenement buildings yeah. and it's essentially the artist there was a snowstorm one day and it's a look at all the different there's one tenement block but what the focus is is all these tiny windows and all the different things that are going on in this flat while this sto snowstorm has happened. So it's people like playing with their kids, having dinner, someone's on the phone. And my mum loved it because she just got to a snapshot into how one building can contain so many yeah. different narratives yeah. and lives. And that really was my my first sort of introduction and really bar the sort of weird country scenes that she had. That was the one painting that she always spoke about and she loved. But there was no... I mean, we didn't really have art on the walls. My mum's, it's one of these very sort of classic working class families. It's just plastered with photos of, oh, of the course, kids yeah. and, you know, things like that, which which I love and I and I do that and now. why not? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's art, you know, these moments. They're yeah, I was going to say, they're probably the most important artworks you're ever going to have anyway, Well, that's they? it. That's it, all these memories. And <laughs> yeah, so that's, a and that's still in the living room now, that window's from the way. She's long shot of the, the knockoff constables. Thank you very much, <laughs> Mum. But yeah, she's got a print of that, which, like, I remember my dad bringing it home for her and putting it up on the wall. Mum just been like, this is just the best painting. It's the best painting. And Excellent. it's in the Kelvin Grove Art Gallery. And it's it's really big. It's like 150 centimetres by 150 centimetres. It's quite a big oh, wow. canvas. And I remember going to see it when I was a teenager and being like, oh, that's in our living room. Okay, nice. <laughs> oh, we've, we've got that, yeah. yeah. Um, but that was really... Yeah, we've got one of these as well. Yeah, 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 we've also got the original. <laughs> how, big's, how big's the one your mum had? Oh, my goodness. 
I think it's it's about seventy by fifty or sixty, so it's an okay size. Yeah, it's, it's not. It's, it's still quite big. Yeah. yeah. And she's got it framed really nice as well. Um, so it was, it was a big day when my dad brought that home from her. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's that's the thing. When you're growing up and you're not into art, mm. that's just a picture. It's yeah. not an artwork, if yeah. you know what I mean. Yeah. And yeah. it's not until you see it. Um, like my nan had a mirror in her house for years and years, and it was like an etched mirror. And then I saw the painting on TV years later, and I was like, the same as you, fucking hell, my nan had that, and yeah. it was a mirror. You know, it's. It was. A, I thought it was just a pretty picture a on a mirror. people had. Turns out, yeah, it turns out someone painted it, you know, many years ago. Yeah. Um, yeah. You said you looked at your dad's architectural drawings and you thought that they were art. I mean, the only reason mainly that it, it isn't art is because it's functional. But it's not, it's only a small step to make it an artwork from an architectural drawing. Do you know Langland and Bell? No, I don't. They're a couple of artists who use architects, architectural work in their practice. Oh, nice. It might be that they were in Sensations. Oh, where are they? they? Oh. They wrote to me as well, which is which is how I know them. Um, yeah, even now, they still use like architectural, you know, the, the models, the architectural uh, maquettes that they use. They're, they're not called maquettes, but um, whatever the architectural yeah, model is of, called. Uh-huh. Uh, they use them in their work oh, even to today. Yeah, they're pretty cool. Um, well, when was it realized? When was it you realized that you wanted to be involved in like, the arts? And how did that appear? If if you just oh. had a, a, one artwork in your house. So, with with like any decent um, school, we had a school trip every every year, and when I was ten they took us to the Burrow Collection. Oh, yeah. And before that, I don't really remember being in a museum, but this trip I really remember because we were on a bus for what felt like a fortnight because when you're wee, everything seems miles away. It was probably about 30 minutes. And they took us in to look at all this art and I was like, what is going on? Okay, and we were showing us all these stained glass windows because... Um, William Burrow was a very famous uh, merchant and he was a collector of great things, everything really, a bit of, you know, if it was shiny, he would have it sort of thing. <laughs> and he left his collection to the city of Glasgow and that's why we have the Burrow Collection. And the museum's run by um, Glasgow Museums. So I went when I was 10 and looking at all the stained glass, very nice, some sculptures, some like wonderful things from China, all these sort of tea sets, things like that, amazing. And then they took us into this room that was essentially like a medieval banquet hall that he had like bought panel by panel and had rebuilt it in this place. And that blew my wee country bumpkin mind. I just couldn't believe I was standing in this medieval hall and had this huge big table. And it's probably not even medieval. It was just for me, everything just looked so old. I was like, it must be the oldest thing in the world. And I loved it. And I went to the gift shop and I bought... A little princess like a medieval princess hat you know the big cone ones yeah, yeah yeah and I was so obsessed with it and I was so obsessed with that room I just thought it was incredible and I enjoyed art we did art at school and I had this weird thing that happened where if you choose it so you guys do like GCSEs and A levels of course it has to be different in Scotland so we do standard grades and hires and when we did so I chose art as a standard grade and I had a lot of my friends parents say to them 
don't pick art. It's a waste of a subject. Pick yeah, a science. Course, yeah, yeah. Pick this. And my mum, best piece of advice anyone has ever given me, my mum said, pick something you enjoy and you'll never work a day in your life. Mm. And I was like, okay. So I liked art, I liked history, I liked music, picked all those subjects. And we started writing about art for the first time. But it wasn't called art history, it was called like art theory. Yeah. And I remember I saw Suraz Bathers. Do you know that one that's in the National Gallery where they're all yeah, on the banks? Yeah, yeah. And I just fell in love with it. I just thought it was amazing. And I was just like, what is this? And I remember learning about the tiny dots and you know the whole idea of perception and if you you know if up close it didn't make sense but if you did it at a distance it did and I remember going home and I had showing my age here I had the Disney print studio Gary um I was (laughs) was a really cool kid and I printed you can print off coloring sheets from this and my sisters and I were like we were like come on let's try this and we were trying to like do the sort of pointillism thing on like the Disney yeah, princess's yeah. dress. It, like I was about 14, so maybe I was a bit I was a bit too old to be doing stuff like that. But it just it was amazing. And then I continued with art and I took it to advanced hire, which is essentially first year university level. And you got to write about artists that you enjoyed. And the idea was that you would go and research artists. And I didn't I, again I didn't think this was art history. And I just absolutely loved it. And I wrote about an artist called Gordon Mitchell who's a Scottish artist and he's, you would peg him as a surrealist, but he really doesn't like being called that. But he has all these very weird and wonderful, otherworldly, everything's near enough set on a beach. It's very beautiful, very colourful, yeah, very yeah. classic Scottish art. We love colours up here because it's grey every day. Um, but I just, I just loved it. And then I ended up, I didn't know what I wanted to do at university and all my friends were like, I'm going to be an architect. I'm going to be a doctor. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to work in McDonald's. And like, and I just didn't know. And I was just like, yeah. and I just really felt this pressure of like having to go to university. And I'm not, I'm actually not a very naturally intelligent person. I have to really work at things. If I want anything, I have I'm to with work you on at that. it. And I, yeah. and I don't think it's a weakness. I think it's just, it's just how I'm programmed, unfortunately. Like it just doesn't come easily a lot of things so I'll work at it and that's that's the, the hand I've been dealt and I'll do and I'll play with that hand so I'd actually had a driving lesson because where I, I live in a, a little uh, town called Coatbridge and essentially the second anyone hits 17 here you're like get me a driving license I have to get as far away from this place as possible <laughs> so turned 17 started driving started my driving lessons rather and Glasgow University who had um an open day on, something I need to say is when you're in Scotland, the Scottish government pay for four years of higher education for you after mm-hmm. you leave school. So that's either your four <clears throat> years at university because the government know in the first year we're, we're Scots, you know, we're going to be in the pub. That's exactly where we are. <laughs> yeah. And then in second year is when you're like, oh, there's a library. I didn't realise that was here. Um Wonder, wonder, am I allowed in here? What, what do you do? <laughs> yeah, what's, what's in the library? What is the purpose of a library? <laughs> so that was essentially, well, that's what happened when I got to university. But I, I had a driving lesson in the day that I, this open day was happening at Glasgow Uni. And I called my friends when I got there and I was, where are you? And they were like, oh, we're in the Union, come down. We're having a great time. We've got some drinks. And it was like 11 a.m. And I was like, okay. <laughs> I'm going to have a wee look around first. I've come all this way. And so I went on my own and it's the best thing I've ever done because 
I then had to like interact with these people on all these different stands and I went yeah. to the history department and I was like I probably want to do history and I was maybe toying with the idea of doing practical art but I'd applied to Edinburgh and I'd been rejected to do fine art and I had gone to an open day at Glasgow Art School and I didn't enjoy it um I just there was just sort of it just wasn't my vibe and I was like it's not for everyone it's definitely not for me so I, I preferred Edinburgh yeah and I went to, and I'd kind of sacked off the idea that, oh, if I, need, if I want to get into art school, I have to be really dedicated. I have to, I'm probably not going to get in. I'll need to go to college, work really hard in a portfolio. Is that lighting a fire underneath me? No, it's not. So <laughs> let's, let's try a different yeah, avenue. Yeah. So then I spoke to the history department. And the guy that I spoke to could not have been ruder to me. Like, and I was oh, like, shit. oh, okay. I don't want to study in your department yeah. if that is how you talk to me. Yeah. And I felt really upset because I was like, I was only 17 at the time and I was like, I was speaking to an adult. That's really intimidating. Yeah. Even now I get intimidated speaking to adults and I'm in my 30s. <laughs> do you know what I mean? So. What do you mean? Like real grown-ups? Real, real grown-ups. Real grown-ups. <laughs> do you know any? <laughs> oh, one or two. Um. <clears throat> So, and I just kind of about turned and I saw this wee woman sitting at a stand and it said art history. And I was like, what the hell is this? And I went over to her and I said, what is art history? And she's like, well, you know, you study, you study paintings and sculpture and the history of art really, you know, from right from the beginning all the way through to modern day. And she just, she talked to me for five minutes and it was just like a train had hit me. I was like, excellent. Oh, I love it. Oh my God this is what I'm going to do. And then I said, the age-old question, what kind of jobs can you get if you do if you study art history? And she's like, you can do loads. And then she round off about 50 jobs you could do. And I was like, oh, oh, how, how do I sign up? What do I do? What do I do? <laughs> and that was it. I knew what I wanted to do. And, and, and I loved Brilliant. it. I loved it. It was just so great. And I, I don't know who that woman is. If you're listening, I owe you a drink. Thank you. If I had just gone to meet my friends, my life would be so different. Exactly. It's Excellent. that kind of like sliding door thing. Exactly, yeah. And, uh, and at the time, I had no idea no. what that interaction would then lead to. So, yeah. So, yeah. But it's like any, any chance meeting, isn't it? You know? Well, that's it. And we that's why it's be... nice to be open with people and chatty. Because and exactly. you, you just don't know. No. You mentioned Disney just a little while ago. Yes. Um, that's your latest episode, or the next episode I've got to listen to mm -hmm. as we record yeah. this. A big Disney fan. Um, I'm not a closet Disney fan. Um, there, you know, there is helplines that I'm calling, um, <laughs> but I love it. I just think it's it's a really good way of, of of I don't know. It just makes you feel good. You can't watch Disney and not feel good, and you always learn yeah. something from it as well. But why uh, one of my podcast episodes is about the Disney archives is because. I used to work in a company archive and um, again this was this was something that changed my life. I when I left school, when I left university, um I didn't surprise surprise, I didn't get a job. Um and <laughs> I had to like a lot of people that leave, you know, art school and things like that, you sometimes you have to sign on and that's what happened to me. So I had to yeah, sign on. It was very grim and I was just not the sort of person that they expected to come in to sign on every week because the, when they sat down for my first interview, like the woman actually said to me, oh, so you've just graduated. I was like, yes. And she was like, oh, what, have you, what did you study? 
And I went, art history. And she went, and what am I supposed to do with that? And I was like, you tell me, you're the woman with the jobs. Excellent. I was like, Excellent. I, there's loads of things. And I was, and I started to like rhyme off the things that this lovely woman that I'd met four years previous had said. And she was like, it's not those sorts of jobs in this yeah. place. I can get you cleaner at McDonald's. And I was like, okay. Um, <laughs> but I think that's, a, that, I think that's like the grim reality for a lot of people, but it's a, don't, I don't know, like I had so many people through university that told me what a waste of time and you're never going to get a job and you're just going to end up working in admin or you're going to do something else. And yeah. I just thought, well, if you come at it with that attitude, then yeah, and nothing's yeah, impossible. Yeah. Like if you work hard enough and, you know, take opportunities as they come, like I, I am a huge believer in nothing's impossible. And I always say to people, because I get this a lot when people come into the gallery, because we're quite close to Central St. Martin's Art School. Yeah. And we sometimes get students in and they talk to us and they're always like, oh, it's just impossible to get a job. And I'm like, it's not impossible. If you can put someone on the moon, if a man can walk on the moon, you can get a yeah. job in the art world. Yeah. It's as simple as that. You just have to be patient and you just have to like go for it. But in a very roundabout way, back to the Disney thing, is I used to work at Adidas. I got a six-month internship out in Germany. Um, oh, nice. which completely changed my life. And I remember it's this amazing sort of art job websites that um, Leicester University runs. So anyone listening that's looking for a job, Leicester University History Desk is amazing for jobs. And they just they put everything, everything from everywhere. And I saw Adidas on it and I was like, what's a sports company doing on a history website? What is this? And when I clicked into it, I was just like, oh my God, this sounds amazing. And they essentially, the archive's been going for years, but they just, they take interns every six months to sort of work in the different collections. So you can work in like, yeah. shoes or apparel, or I was, I applied for the images, uh, images intern. And I applied and I got it and I went out and it completely changed my life because before that yeah. I'd never actually left Coat Bridge. Um, I, was, yeah. I was very yeah. much Glasgow, Coat Bridge, and you didn't really, which is a very... I think classic trap of small town people, you know, you're very, yeah. and, you know, not to say anything against anyone. If that's your jam, then amazing and good for you. Yeah. If it's working for you, it's 100%, working for you. 100%, it? and like, I would never judge anyone on a, on a life choice if it makes them happy, like, because who am I? Yeah. And this for me was such a huge, scary thing, but there was loads of, there was personal things that had kind of led up for me. Essentially, I was looking for an eject button. I needed to get out. And this internship came out and I, I ran at it like a bull, like <laughs> with a red flag. I was like, I'm going for this. Superb. And so I always have this sort of hidden love of like company archives. And that's kind of where the Disney, the Disney thing came from as well. Because yeah. in, Disney is an art form and companies that produce works, you know, like Adidas with their shoes and even at Nike, you know, with their apparel. It's all a form of artwork. You know, you, you need a designer to design yeah, these yeah. things. Like, you need artists, you need creative people to come up with these ideas. And I think people are very good at forgetting that. Like, the chair that you and I are both sitting in, someone designed that on paper exactly. first. Yeah. You know, the shelves behind you, your mirror, your lovely lampshade behind you. You know, a, an artist or designer... Yeah that idea came from them and i think people well, when i speak to, sorry when no. i speak to art uh, to people that say that they're not into art and they're intimidated by art i always ask them what's their favorite album cover if they're of a certain age to remember an album and the cover and they will say oh i liked this cover why did you like it because of this 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 and this 
I said, well, you've just done a little crit on an artwork. Exactly. But um, I've actually got my, one of my friends is in a band up here in Scotland and he's coming on the podcast in a couple of weeks to talk about nice. album cover designs. Because, oh, perfect. So there, there you, you are, go. Gary. That's one that you'll really enjoy. <laughs> there you go. Well, that's, that's a thing of the past now, isn't it? Uh, well, almost, cover. yeah. Good old Spotify. Um, you spoke about several different um, artworks and art interactions that have been quite a turning point. Is there an artwork that that has that has got a, a strong emotional connection for you? Oh gosh. Or even your favourite artwork. So oh God. There's a few. There's definitely a few that I think that is the one that that did something to me. But I'm gonna actually say it's a Philip Jackson sculpture. And it actually it was one of these, again, another sort of chance moment that completely changed my life and I was a student so I so I did my undergrad at um at Glasgow University and then I came to London and I studied at Kingston so I did art art market appraisal there's so many great artists that have come out of Kingston so I was completely oblivious but um essentially Kingston were offering a course at you know an absolute steal rate compared to what Sotheby's and Christie's were offering. Yeah. And I, I've got a great story about when I went to uh, Christie's open night, but that might be another story in itself because it's quite a, oh my God, go over yourself, people at Christie's. <laughs> and essentially, again, it was like the nail in the coffin for, well, I'm not going to come here and give you my money. I'll go to Kingston because yeah, it seemed decent. Yeah. Um, so I was nearing sort of, the end of term and I had to find a dissertation topic for my master's and I was like what do I do and I was interning at the time um two days a week at, a, at an auction house uh, not one of the big ones it was just a wee local one Cheswick Auctions and I was oh, in the book I was one. yeah but I was in the book department and I got on so well with the guys in the book department not that books were my jam it was just where they put me yeah. and I just to catalogue and stuff and I really enjoyed it and I went to an opening at Chelsea Art Fair one night and I came across this stand that had this Philip Jackson sculpture and Philip Jackson's known as he's better one of his best known works is the uh, sort of the war memorial at the end of Hyde Park Do you know it's the five yeah, figures yeah 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 I know so it's it's that and but he does all these really weird ready for this nun sculptures so oh, wow. and I don't know, Catholic school girl, I'm like, I have no idea. <laughs> but they're really creepy. They remind me of like a Doctor Who villain, actually. Sometimes you see an artwork and you don't want to know the story behind I know, it. I know, well, that's it. And I was like, but so it was this sculpture and I was like, what the hell is yeah. this? And I, I kept coming back to it the whole night I was at the fair. And I was just obsessed with it. I was just, and a, and a sculpture had never done that to me before. And and I, it's not the best sculpture I've ever seen in my life. It's just I've never had a sculpture have that effect on me where I yeah, physically didn't want to be away from it. It was just yeah. so weird. And I left. And for the next four days, I couldn't stop thinking about it. And then nice. that train of thought went to, why don't I actually know anything about sculpture like I've got four years of an undergrad and I'm nearly done on my master's and actually we haven't really touched on sculpture apart from yeah, a wee bit yeah. of renaissance stuff here and there 
we very briefly went over the, what the fourth Plinth project was um, right at the end of first year. But apart from that, nothing. So I thought, great, I've got four months to teach myself something and write something. So I looked at the rise of sculpture in the art market. It then took me down this road of, oh my God, sculpture is this amazing thing, but it's completely overlooked and everyone's really scared of it. And what's the issue? Why is sculpture only now coming into like having its own little mini renaissance? And this was, what, 2014, 2015 when I was writing this. And then I thought, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll write people and I'll interview some, some sculpture dealers. And I did. And one of the dealers that I interviewed was my now director, Polly. And oh essentially God. a couple of days later, so so I interview her and we just had a great chat about um, in the 50s, you know, the British Arts Council tried to do all these like touring exhibitions where it was called yeah. Sculpture in the Home. So they set up in places like Heels where they got artists to sort of display their works in and amongst sort of like living room settings, kind of like if Ikea let artists yeah, in. Yeah. And we chatted about that, we chatted about the Venice Biennale, da 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 da. And then a couple of days later she wrote me and she said, someone's just handed their notice in we've got a position would you be interested in applying nice. and i applied and i handed my dissertation in one day and started in the gallery the next and it's, that's that's been that um so i would say that has to be the sculpture or the work of art for me because it it really helped steer my career particularly when i felt so lost um, oh, it's lovely when you hear that something has directed you, yeah. inadvertently directed you into a, another direction. Yeah. Now, you obviously, you're, you're studying a lot. You're, you're, you're a very busy person. What do you do to relax? Oh, my goodness. Right. My favourite thing in the world is to swim. And there's, I just think it's like hitting my reset button. I just, I love it. And what's been really difficult during lockdown is obviously, like, all the pools have been shut. But there's an amazing, <laughs> for anyone that's London-based, there is an amazing, I call it the best-kept secret in London, but it's not because I tell everyone about it. <laughs> so it's called the Oasis Centre, and it's on Tottenham Court Road. And it's I know an, it. You know it, see, as an, yeah. it's an outdoor pool, but it's heated all year round. And they have, like, a sunbathing platform. They've got a sauna out there. And don't get me wrong, it's not very fancy, but the pool is just amazing. And to swim outside is just a treat so that is my in Tottenham Court Road oh I know it. I know and then just in the heart of everything you know get out of there and like skip on down Oxford Street it's just but only in London I think things something like that you'd find something like that it's just yeah that's my favorite thing to do there are a few of those about yeah. and when I saw it first what's happened it's like a Doctor Who experience no. you know you, you shouldn't be here no, no. I used to run a security firm years ago and one of the clubs we worked on was in Kensington Roof Gardens. Mm -hmm. But when you go into this club, you're up a lift, come out into this posh club, then you go into the, the gardens and there is the Spanish garden. Oh, and it's just this beautiful garden on the top of a, a, above a sort of department store in Kensington. And then you've got the old Tudor Rose Garden, um, which is, you know, what it is. And then there's the Japanese River Garden, with this river running through it, with all these ornamental, ornamental oriental ducks swimming down this flowing river. That's and it, it really does sort of throw you, like exactly that same experience that you're talking about. If you've got the opportunity to put on an exhibition and you've got five artists that you can show, what five artists would you like in that exhibition? Oh my gosh. 
right? Well, I think one of them has to be, this is going to be, this might sound very basic. One of them has to be Dega. Yeah. And um, purely because I, I saw his work at the Burrow Collection as well. Um, actually, so the, like William Burrow has something like 15 or 16 Degas. And I think they're currently on loan wow. to the National Gallery. But his paintings are so beautiful. And again, when I went to Museum d'Orsay when I was 21, um, again, not to go to the museums. I went because I wanted to go to Disneyland, just looping that background for everybody had my priorities <laughs> in check. And I was yeah, like, I should yeah. probably see some art when I'm here, art <laughs> history student. <laughs> and I just, I was completely blown away by one of his pastel drawings called, the, um, it's called Three Blue Dancers. And it's just the colours are so raw with the pastels that he uses, and it it blew it blew my mind. So it would have to be Dega. Nice. I mean, they're not really going to make sense altogether, I don't think. But I would. That doesn't matter. I would have to. I would have it's your to, own private exhibition. My own private, just for me. I would have to say Carl <clears throat> Plackman because I do think he's completely overlooked and he's amazing. And if you don't know who he is, go and have a, a wee read about him. He's if you're listening, it's he's just such an interesting, interesting artist. And he he gave so much, um, and oh, I just think he's I just think he's fab. Then I would have to do two Glasgow boys. I have to, you know, have to kind of tip the cap. Um, so it would be Henry and Hernell. So George Henry and Edward Hernell. And why them? Because their use of color is just oh, it's delicious. You could eat it. But they have, they've actually, in Kelvin Grove Art Gallery, which is again is another artwork that I came across when I was at um, university, it's called The Druids Bringing in the Mistletoe. And I've written about it on my blog. And it's um, it's one of these scenes where you see it and you think, oh my God, it's so beautiful. And then it's kind of like what you said earlier about that you don't really want to know the story behind it. But it's this beautiful procession of these druids and this incredible use of gold leaf. It's very Celtic, it's very mystical, very on brand, and with the whole Celtic thing. And these beautiful bulls that have mistletoe in their horns. Yeah, and actually yeah. what it's depicting is a sacrifice <clears throat> about to take place. Oh shit, yeah. And well. you just don't get that from the painting and you're just like, what? It's just, yeah. but it's such a beautiful painting, sort of like, you know, the heaven before the hell sort of thing um so it would have to be them oh and then i've got one more mm. it might have to be lynn chadwick then who is a sculptor and yeah. his stuff so my second exhibition um at pangolin was a, a lynn chadwick exhibition and he has he used to work and make these amazing sort of glass sort of colored gems and he used to incorporate them into his sculpture. So if you don't know Lynn Chadwick, he's very spiky. You probably know him if you've seen. He's got. He's very famous for like the walking cloaked figures, and the 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 faces have squares or triangles for heads. Yeah. That's what yeah. he's he's known for. And I just love his stuff. I love it. I love the sort of I don't know the sort of sketchiness of it. The yeah, sort of jagginess. Yeah, but that's it. And I just love it. And I don't know what that says about me, but I love it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Could very happily live with Chadwick's for the rest of my life, um, so yeah, I think I it's think... like it's like uh, when when I see his work, I, it's like that sort of view of a dark forest. Yes, you, you know that you don't want to go in there, but 
at the same time you you want to go yeah. in there and, and his his and series his watcher series i'm like what are you watching like what are you like warning us <laughs> off of like i just love them i love Superb. them yeah so chadwick has to be number five i think that's five exactly. unless i've forgotten it how is. to count <laughs> no, no you're quite all right um if you weren't in the arts what do you think you'd like to be or do oh gosh I do, do you know what? I don't know because I was so... I think when you're 17 years old and you're you're given this, you need to make a decision that's going to affect the rest of your life. Yeah, yeah. And you get so... I don't know, it's such a terrifying thing and I was really lucky that what happened to me happened to me. But I don't know. I, I love architecture, but I don't think I'm smart enough to be an architect. I really don't <laughs> think I am. Yeah. Um, and I, I couldn't be a doctor. Unless people want shit houses. Well, that's, I mean, I could always blame it on my dad. But like, he's old. Try to give him some work. If you want to live in a shack, I'm your girl. Uh, that's it, yeah. <laughs> Tarpaulin is the riff. <laughs> Super. I don't really know what... I, I really don't know what I would do. I... I actually, I really loved when I was a student, I used to work in restaurants and coffee shops and I really love, yeah. and I, and later when I left uni, when I was working in Germany for, with Adidas, I then ended up, the internship ended and I worked in a bar for a year and a bit because I was making more money working in a bar. I think this says a lot about yeah. coming yeah. fresh out of college. I was making more in tips and wage working in a bar in Germany using a language that I didn't speak at all Brilliant. than what I did living and working in a bar in Glasgow. But I love, I love bars and I love pubs. I, I, there's nothing I love more than like meeting my friends for a drink yeah. in a pub. Cause I think it's a place that you gather and you sort of, you know, defenses are down and you just, you open up and it's a really great environment. And particularly in Scotland as well, I always get really great conversations there. So I would maybe open a pub, I think. I think if yeah. I didn't, wasn't in the art world. Who knows? Maybe. Although a pub is a is a breed of building that seems to be in decline at the moment. It's true, but if I'm behind the bar and you've got good banter, also my mum my mum loves the pubs, so she she and her mates would be in there all we the need time. David Attenborough <laughs> to do a documentary about, about pubs. Them. I know. Do you remember this? Magic <laughs> <Lager> tops. <laughs> um, we're nearing the end of this podcast, Joe. So. Are you able to say what's coming up in your podcast or what's around the corner? Oh, so I've got a couple. So I've got season one will run until the end of the year. I've actually got a lovely podcast coming out with yourself, Gary. I think you're going to be my, my first podcast of, of 2021. It's already my favourite. Well, there you are. <laughs> there you are. <laughs> Bring on another reason for 2020 to be over as quickly as possible. Um, so I've got a very sort of mixed bag of things on the podcast coming up. Um, I've yeah, got someone yeah. that's coming on to talk about the performance art element of Alexander McQueen's fashion nice. shows. Nice. Um, of course, I've got some classics in there. I've got someone coming on to talk about Frida Carlo, the Mona Lisa and the history behind that. And then I've got another episode coming up with my sister, who was the first person I ever interviewed, yeah. called The uh, Conspiracies and controversies in the art world where we each talk about different things that have happened that have been a conspiracy or a controversy and it's, it's a really interesting episode of all these nice. things that are going on oh, looking forward to that and um yeah i've got my blog which i publish on every week and then i publish daily on my instagram page so i do sort yeah. of color curations 
or I take a theme. So for example, you've inspired me with the with our previous chat about the YBAs. So at the moment, at the time of recording this is start of November, I'm talking about the YBAs for the next maybe two, three weeks. Oh, wow, nice. And then um, I'll, I'll move on to, to something else. But yeah, writing a little bit for, for different people as well. Um, but yeah, hopefully... Oh, just starting off. <laughs> I've got to say, Joe, I'm I'm really I'm not just saying this because you're here. I've said it to to a couple of friends. I'm really pleased to have met you, found you, however we want to say how we've come to, to meet. Should I say? Um, we need your voice as well. You know, it's, thank it, you. We need to get this out that that art is a is a game that anyone can play. Well, that's it. And like, that's why I like, I love what you do as well. Like you were just, I just love that normal people can talk about art because you, you can, and, and you should, you should be able to sort of celebrate what, what you love. And yeah, yeah no, it's, it's Super. exciting. And it's the start of a, of a long road, but let's see what happens. But it's been amazing to talk to you. Thank you so, so much. So that's, that's Joe's art history. Yes. Good luck with it, Joe. Thank you very much. <laughs> and yeah, thanks for your time. No, thank you. I'll speak to you soon. Ta-da. Bye. And there you have it. Art historian and Joe's art history podcast host, Joe McLaughlin. How cool is Joe? You can listen to Joe's art history over on, well, where you're listening to this one, I suppose. So after this podcast, shoot over and subscribe. And Joe's message, Art for All, is a message that, well, no one can deny, really, can they? Unless you're one of those that want it all to yourself. Yeah, so as you heard, that was a lot of fun recording that episode with Joe. And we're no doubt going to doing, and we're no doubt, and we're no doubt going to be doing a few little projects in the future. As I mentioned at the start of this podcast, I will be doing another couple of crossover episodes with other art podcasts. Namely, revisiting the episode that I've done with Gita Joshi and her Curator's Salon podcast, the Drunk Art Review podcast, and also the Curating Conversations podcast. But as I say, that's very likely going to be round about the start of spring. Well, that's the end of this episode, so um, thank you for all your love and support for last week's episode. Head over to Patreon if you're able to financially support us. Um, If not, like I say every week, if you could leave a comment on whichever platform you listen to this podcast, that will be most appreciated. If you've got any queries, give us a shout on social media, and feel free to like, comment, or share any of the posts you see there. Anyway, thank you for listening. And until next week, ta-da.